Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. How many would like to see some of these wrinkles out of this carpet? We can't get it quite accomplished before Easter. That was my desire. But the week after Easter, it's going to get done. It is. Honestly, it's scheduled. It's on. It's going to happen. They're going to come and stretch it. And hopefully our elders and stuff won't have to worry about a trip hazard. And uh, it'll just be a little bit more appealing. And we can get some uh, years still yet and left out of this carpet. The carpet really don't look all that bad if it weren't for the wrinkles. It's not like it just got black places and just stains everywhere. Amen. So uh, we're going to get that taken care of. But be praying. I talked to the gentleman. He's actually carpeting a week, uh, uh, church this week. And he didn't think that he could fit us in at the end of this week. But I told him, I said, if by chance you get done a day early, give me a call and we'll get an army of people. I said that by faith. We'll get an army of people to get these pews out of this sanctuary. So you can stretch this carpet because I'd really like to see it done before Easter. Amen. So let's just pray God's will. Amen. To be done in that. John 12. I'm going to read the first seven verses of John 12. I read John 12 this week because it is Palm Sunday. It is the triumphal entry and all that. And so I'm not necessarily speaking about the triumphal entry, but I am speaking on something that occurred just prior to that moment here in John 12. The Bible says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany. Where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, as she commonly did. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment, a spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Because 300 pence was about a man's wages for a year. So that's quite a bit of money in their time. Why didn't that sold and given to the poor? Verse 6, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, Judas really wasn't concerned about the poor because he was a thief, just plainly spoken, and had the bag and bear what was put in it. He was kind of the treasurer of the 12 disciple church. And so the scripture basically tells us the first embezzler of church money, Judas. I'm just saying. In verse 7, then said Jesus, let her alone, speaking of Mary, against the day of my burying. Hath she kept this? Let her alone. Against the day of my bearing, hath she kept this? He gives the explanation for her action. Amen. This morning, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to minister this today. Kept for burial. Kept for burial. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, Father. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. It's glad to have Michael Hurst with us today. See him and, and also Shauna and Wyatt uh, this morning and Fred and Linda. Amen. Being able to be in it. They've, they've both had their own uh, dealings with, with hospitalization and such and recoveries. And so we're glad to see them be able to make it in the house of the Lord. Mike Penrod's back from his fishing endeavor. He, he's 
at times a fisher of men, but he went to be a fisher of fish for a little while. And so glad to have him back this morning in the house of the world of the Lord as well. Kept for burial, kept for burial. John chapter number 10. These are the last days before Jesus's crucifix. These are some of the last days. The Bible says it's six days before Passover, which tells us it's six days before crucifix, before that cruel, as we know, and we revere cruel death and burial of the Lord Jesus Christ in a borrowed tomb. Jesus has a sense at this particular period of his life. He has a sense that the things that he it's been spoken and prophesied of in the Old Testament that he would experience, that he would go through, he has a sense that these things are near. He is knowledgeable about what is going to take place. He is speaking about it now more often than what he has formally. He is being a little bit more forthright even now with his disciples more than what he has been formally. He's talking to them about what is going to happen to him, how he's going to be betrayed into the hands of the scribes and of the Pharisees and the rulers, if you will, of his day for the purpose of crucifix, for the purpose of suffering for the purpose of dying and also not leaving out that he shall resurrect. He's trying to prepare the people in reality. He's trying to prepare them for what is to come. He doesn't want them to be taken off guard. For that matter, he doesn't want them to be ignorant concerning what is going to take place or what is planned. There had been a time in his walk with the disciples along mountains and, and trees and shores that different things have occurred and happened in his life and he would say that his hour had not yet come but now that whole verbiage has changed it's changed from now that my hour has not yet come to now that it's come it is near it is upon us and so here he is now very forthright about his near future but not everyone is willing to accept what he says his future holds not everybody for that matter amen believes everything that he says that is coming in the future. Some are in disbelief. There are others though, although he is speaking more plainly now to them than ever before, they are not picking up on exactly what he is saying concerning the future. It is these last, if you will, six days before Passover, even where we are stationed right now, that modern society labels as the Holy Week or as the week of the Lord's passion. Amen. Jesus, during this week, years, thousands of years ago, will, will, would have made several trips to the city of Jerusalem. And always, though, after making his trip there, resorting back to Bethany to stay and to reside for his lodging. Bethany had been very good to the Lord in his life had been very good to him in his times of traveling through there and by there. He had forged during his lifetime some friendships at Bethany. He, he had Lazarus, which was his friend, one who had died that he had brought back to life. He had Martha, amen, Lazarus' sister as a friend, and Mary, the other sister, as a friend. And so Jesus is coming nigh to the moment of his crucifix, six days before crucifix, six days before Passover and as the feast of Passover is taking place in Jerusalem honey it's hustling and bustling there are crowds there's all types of people that have gathered together in so much that Jerusalem's population has exceeded its norm by times over in so much that not everybody that made the pilgrimage to Passover could stay in Jerusalem and so the law of their day said that Bethany was a, a place that was deemed lawful for pilgrims to stay when they came to the feast of Passover. And so Jesus stays in Bethany. As a matter of fact, word is already out about this Christ. Word is already circulating among the rulers that if anybody sees or knows where Jesus' whereabouts are, they're to tip them off. They're going to find him. They're going to apprehend him. They are going to take him. And so it's somewhat of a risk for Christ to already be in this vicinity and in this area. But six days before he's going to be crucified and die, he goes to Bethany. It's interesting to me this morning as I read this this past week that Jesus stays at Bethany, he revisits a place where he raised a dead man before. Prior to meeting his own death, 
prior to meeting his own crucifix, he revisits a spot where he brought a dead man back to life before. Amen. No doubt, maybe that's a little bit of inspiration for the fleshly, earthly side of Jesus that is already going to know he's going to contend with the struggle in the garden of whether or not to take the cup, amen, or let it pass on by. Maybe he needed the encouragement of walking once again among the tomb where Lazarus once was dead but came back to life knowing that he himself has a purpose and he has a, if you will, a future that has death in it as well but not without a resurrection as well. Amen. And so whenever he comes to this moment but six days prior to his crucifix, we see something very common that oftentimes happened when he came to Bethany to the house of Lazarus and Martha and Mary. The Bible says there's Mary. Honey, she is serving. She is doing, you know, her talent, her gift and ability in life. She's serving while the Lord is there. The Bible says Lazarus, who was once dead, amen, sat there among the rest of them. But the Bible also speaks of Mary, that she comes to where Jesus is and she has within her hand a pound of ointment of spikenard and the Bible says she anoints Jesus's feet and the Bible says while Judas is is looking upon her with a negative eye and down her nose down his nose at her that Jesus uh, amen gives explanation to what she did and we understand then what Mary did on this particular day was said to have been saved. What she put up on the Lord, what she placed on the Lord had been saved and kept for this moment. It had been kept and saved for this day, for this hour, for the day of Jesus's burial. Someone say amen. In proportion to its size, the gospel of John employs the smallest vocabulary in the New Testament of any other gospel. And so John is not one to waste words. He uses them carefully. And he says in verse 7, Amen, through Jesus, against the day of my bearing, hath she kept this. I'm not sure if anyone was aware of this precious perfume in her family. I'm not sure, I don't know if she ever showed any of her friends this as other scriptures portray this alabaster box that she had sitting somewhere in her house or on a shelf. But what I do know is this, evidently it's been guarded. Evidently it's been kept safe from all in one for one purpose. It was for the purpose, its disposal if you will, was for the purpose at the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. John the, the writer John likes to uh, use a single expression many times throughout his book. Amen. A single expression that has various meanings or various applications. Amen. Sometimes the meaning isn't always just the surface meaning. It's not always just obvious, but it has deeper significance than just what is stated. Amen. As a matter of fact, much of Jesus' teachings, as John portrays it in the gospel, are a little bit ambiguous. And when I say ambiguous, I'm not meaning that they are confusing, but they have multiple applications. For instance, whenever Jesus spoke in the book of John that if you destroy this temple in three days I'll raise it up that had a very surface level people thinking about a literal temple but the significance of that statement went deeper than that amen Jesus was talking about his body you can crucify it you can hang me high and stretch me wide but in three days I'm going to get up out of the ground whenever Jesus said if I be lifted up from the earth I'll draw all men unto me amen to be lifted up had a little double meaning in John. Not only did it mean to be exalted, but it also meant to be crucified. And so there are two aspects to the meaning. Whenever Jesus went to the lady, amen, that was a Samaritan, amen, at the well, and the lady was talking about water, and Jesus was talking about water, they both were talking about water in two different measures. What water meant to the Samaritan meant a different type of water whenever Jesus was speaking about living water that he could give her, that she would never thirst again. Whenever Jesus, in the chapter before, verse chapter 12 and chapter 11, 
heaven. Whenever he's walking with his disciples and he learns that Lazarus, amen, is sick. And the Bible says he stays more days after hearing that. He begins to tell his disciples, let's go back around a few of these places. And he tells them, for our friend Lazarus, he sleepeth. And the disciples start to say, well, he must be doing well if he's sleeping then. Everything's fine. He's doing well if he's sleepeth. They understood sleepeth as a rest in sleeping. But Jesus just basically told them later, he's dead. So it meant two different things. One seen it as a sleep and rest and one seen it as dead. Someone say amen. Everybody doing all right? And so whenever we look that Mary brought in a pound of spikenard and she expended it on Jesus, what we have oftentimes preached, and I preach, and there's nothing wrong with preaching this, but we got to understand John has a flavorful way of bringing meaning just from one word or one phrase. Amen. It can go various areas. And as oftentimes we have preached this and we have songs written about it, that she brought the ointment of Spikner and she expended on Jesus. And that scene of as her unadulterated worship, lavishing her praise, lavishing, if you will, all those things upon the Lord. We have testified in preaching and in singing that when she did that she was saying that there wasn't anything too costly in her form of worship that she could pour upon the Lord there wasn't too too much that she could sacrifice if you will for the Lord and so that's one area that we've looked at it there's another area that we have looked at it in scripture that it's also been viewed as normal for someone to anoint the body of the dead for Jesus' purpose going to be dead to prepare it for burial. See, because whenever the women came after the Lord had already been placed in the tomb, the Bible says they come with all of their oils to anoint his body. But as they're getting close to the tomb, the rock has already been rolled away. They're talking about how are we going to get the stone out of the way to do this deed. But when they get there, the stone is already been rolled away. But even greater than that, there's no body. And so there's never any oil that's placed upon the body. I know that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus wrapping him in spices and wrapping him, if you will, in herbs. But there's no anointing that's placed on the body. In reality, Mary's anointing, the feet of Jesus, was the only oil that was ever there for his burial. Someone say amen. Everybody doing all right? And so we can preach about perhaps Mary was preparing the body, if you will, for his death or the body for its burial. As a matter of fact, we could even go just a little deeper there. Amen. We're going to get somewhere today. We could go even a little deeper there. It is my understanding. You read the Gospels, you will see that this takes place in more than one occurrence of an anointing. One time the feet are anointed. Another time the head is anointed. Amen. I believe it's in Mark that the head is anointed and it's described as being two days before Passover. Passover. You see in John 12 that the feet are anointed and that's done six days before Passover. Custom is, from what I've read and studied, custom is that on the Passover lamb that was used, they would bring that thing in six days before Passover and they would anoint the feet and the ankles of the lamb. So for the purpose of seeing if there was any break, any injury, because the lambs are always on their feet and if there's going to be any place there's an imperfection in the lamb then it's going to be upon his ankles or upon his feet. So they would anoint that six days before. And then two days before Passover, they would anoint the head of the lamb that has the stamp of approval that it's perfect, it has no sin, it has no imperfection, it has nothing wrong with it. And so it's possible then that both anointings, one could be for the preparation, if you will, to see if there's injury or anything that's impure. And the other one that says, this is the one. This is the one that's been chosen before the day of its slaughtering. So we could preach all of that. Someone say amen. But I felt this week, God was doing something in my spirit as I just sat down. Sometimes we read the Bible too fast. As I sat down and read John 12 in almost any version of the Bible I could get my hands on. 
And I carefully went over it. Bishop, I felt like God was relaying something in my spirit. Another facet, if you will, of application that went beyond the spikenard being for worship. That went beyond the spikenard, if you will, being preparation for burial. I believe God has a woman having this, this pound, a spikenard, that is an emblem, if you will, of a man or a woman's, amen, wages for a year. Amen. It was in essence a emblem of their life, both the good and the bad, both the successes and the failures that she took that thing and she kept it and she guarded it. Those good things, those bad things, the summation, if you will, of her life, precious no doubt to her, something that she guarded to her and she placed it on Jesus so that when he was buried, her life could be buried with him. Someone say amen. What are you saying? I'm saying this. Throughout the history of time, folks, we've seen it from ancient of days. Throughout the history of the world, people have buried themselves or their loved ones with various items. Yeah. You, you discover the tombs of, uh, of Egypt, Egyptian people and it is revealed, amen, that people have been buried with all types of things. They've been buried with precious metals, food, even mummified cats. I don't know what's wrong with that person or their family. But they are even buried with mummified cats. Egyptians have been, married, been buried with things, amen, that either they or their families believed that perhaps they might need in the afterlife. I've stood at, at several caskets. caskets uh, I can't even speak. I've stood at various boxes, if you will, where the deceased laid. Amen. And there, that funeral directory is beside me. And when the, fine, when the final family member has walked out the door and they have exited, if you will, that parlor. Amen. And everybody's gone. By law, that funeral director takes me to the casket. And he says, Pastor McGee, he says, you need to verify, amen, right now, what items are to be kept in the casket and what items are to be removed from the casket. He says, you got to, you, 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 there's some, he said, that, that, that needs to stay, but there's some that got to be removed. And I've seen left in a casket, sometimes there's wedding bands and watches and glasses and hats and Bibles and handwritten notes that are left in a casket. Sometimes there's stuffed animals, amen, that I've seen left in a casket with the body for burial. Someone say Amen. But modern society, don't leave these things in the casket because they think their loved one may need them in the afterlife. They leave them because some of these things are naturally a part of that individual's earthly life. Part of their makeup, their glasses, their ring, their hat. They leave that on there because that's who they were when they were alive. Someone say amen. There's other times though, there's been a stuff. You ever been seen a stuffed animal in the casket? Huh? Stuffed animals in there. Various reasons why that happened. Sometimes it may be because the deceased favored a particular type of animal, whether it be a cow or whether it be a dog. They put that in there just as a reminder. But there's other times that a stuffed animal is placed in the casket because there's a great-grandchild or a grandchild that favors that particular animal. It's been theirs, maybe was given to them by whoever their grandparent was, whatever the case may be. But that younger living member favors it and they place it in the casket, amen, to be buried with their great-grandma or grandma as an act of love. But that little child has to understand the moment that they place it in the casket and the lid is closed and it's placed in the ground six feet deep, they forever relinquish something that they treasured to the deceased. Someone say amen. I've seen others. And I've done it myself. Put a little handwritten notes. Some caskets have a drawer for them. Little handwritten notes. Memories might be written on there. But there are other times there's apologies that's written on there. Something they never spoke while they were alive. But they're just saying they're sorry. There's an apology written on there. Put into the casket. And when they do that type of thing, they're understanding that they are burying their confessed mistake or the wrong with the one who it was against in the casket, in the ground. Someone say amen. Someone say amen. 
And so there is a certain sense this morning. There's a certain sense when a person leaves an item with the dead for burial that they are parting with that item. That when they leave an item with the dead for burial, they are releasing ownership, if you will, of that item beforehand. In other words, it's not theirs anymore, but it's the dead's and it's going down into the ground with the dead. If I could say it like this today, in all of this one thing is certain, anything that you give up for burial is going to stay buried. No, we're, we're not exhuming no casket to get a stuffed animal back out or an apology back out. Honey, one, it is buried. It stays buried. It's not going to... Oh, Jesus. So God was dealing with me this week that as Mary's coming into this arena with one pound of spikenard, something that she saved, something that she guarded, something that the Greek even relates that she withheld. She withheld it. Jesus, according to Jesus, she says she withheld it for one purpose, for burial. She kept that for burial. She, she regarded that for burial. And so while Martha is in the house six days before Passover serving, where do we find Mary? Once again at his feet. What? She's always been at his feet. The first time we have record of them, the Bible says that Mary is at her feet. Amen. The Bible says she's taken part of that good part that shall not be taken away from her. When Lazarus dies and Jesus shows up, Martha runs out to him. But the Bible says when Mary hears words, she runs out to the Lord and she falls down at his feet. Now their last time together at this meal, she has something in her hands and she's at his feet again with a emblem of her most precious things. That thing is a little there we go. She's at his feet again. She's at his feet again. But she has the ointment. She has the spikenard. She has the emblem of something that is most precious. A years of wages, if you will. Her life. So that, folks, even in death, she, can I say it like this? She and her past and her mistakes and her failures and her successes could once again be found at rest at his feet. That's where she always had her life during his life. Time and she says, I'm gonna allow my life to be buried with his. Oh, not just my successes, but my failures, not just my high moments, but my low moments. I dispose them upon the Lord, and they're gonna be buried with. Do you realize that the oil? That's placed on those feet. Then would be the oil that's going to stand in the Garden of Gethsemane. Where Jesus was mentally pressed with what was coming. The oil upon those feet then would stand on the ground of judgment before Pilate. The oil that was on that feet then would collect the dust of the Via Della Rosa that left from Jerusalem to Calvary. The oil on those feet then would bear the weight of the crossbar that Jesus bore on his way to Calvary. The oil on those feet then, not just his feet would be pierced through, but that oily substance that Mary put on his feet would be pierced through what he's saying. It meant her life was gonna have the pressure. Her life was gonna have the judgment. Her life was gonna have the piercing. Her life was gonna have the weight. Why? Because she chose, I'm gonna be buried with him. I'm gonna be buried. Say thank you, Jesus. She has left with Jesus the investment of her lifetime. It's precious. It's costly to her. For that matter, from the own words of Judas, it must have been costly for the most part to the world. She says, but I'm parting ways with it today. 
it's going to be buried with him. I tell you today that your baptism, your baptism is nothing more but burying your life with his life. And what that means is life, it's good and it's bad. It's savory and it's unsavory. It's high points and it's low points. You know what you did at baptism? You were standing at the burial of Christ at your baptism. And you say, you know what? I'm going to relinquish control of what I deem treasurable. I'm going to relinquish control of what I deem precious and what I deem costly. I'm going to hide my life. The Bible says in Colossians 3.3, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. You know what that means? Somewhere along your journey, you got to decide that you're going to take that thing that you saved and you kept and you safeguarded. It might be a past. It might be a mistake. It might be something nobody else knows about. But when you approach Christ, you need to put it on Him and let it be buried with Him. Let the same nail that pierced Him pierce that. Let the same weight He felt So would say yes. the emblem of her life all that was treasured was buried with Christ so I state to you again this morning what you keep for his burial he'll keep buried What you keep for his barrel, he'll keep buried. And so I ask you on this Sunday morning, what thing have you saved? What thing have you kept, have you withheld, that's been precious to you? Whether rightfully so or wrongfully so, that's been precious to you and valuable to you and perhaps even to the world. That you want to bury with him today. That you want to be hid with Christ in God today. For another thing that Paul said of Jesus in 1 Corinthians 15 was this. That he had put all things under his. Put all things under his feet. See this ointment. Spikenard have been worked for. It is a symbol of what life consisted of. In many regards, if she did work for it, it was something she had earned. Are you willing to take everything you've earned that you quantify as yours because you worked for it? And are you willing to bury that? with Christ and relinquish control. What's the scripture say? My life is not my own. It belongs to him. Whosoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever will give his life shall find it. But the life that you find isn't the life that you gave. The life that you find will not be the life that you gave. For that matter, historians and people that study culture and things of that nature say that these alabaster boxes, and especially a pound of ointment of something that large, they even say that there's a possibility that it may have been a family heirloom. In other words, what she had could have been something that was passed down to her from her mom or dad or even passed down from her grandparents to her mom and dad and then to her. And so whenever she was laying that with Christ, you know what she was laying in there? She wasn't just laying something down that belonged to her. It belonged to her mom and dad and perhaps her grandparents. 
Let me tell you this. Everything that you receive in this life as an heirloom from your family is not necessarily something you want to stay a hold of. No, 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 no. Because you know what? They say it. There's generational curses. He's an alcoholic. Grandpa was. Daddy was. The son's going to be. That one was an addict. He's going to be addict. You know what you've got? You've got an heirloom in the family that's been handed down to you. You know what this lady is saying? I don't care if mom and dad had it or grandma and grandpa had it. I'm going to put it in this box right here and allow it to be buried with Christ. And I'm telling some people around here this morning, some of you got self-doubt. Some of you got low self-esteem. That came from your mom and dad and your grandparents. You need to take that heirloom and you need to put it in the box with the Lord and let it be buried with him, hid with him, relinquish control. Honey, you don't have to safeguard that thing to hand off to your children. You don't have to keep that thing on the shelf to hand off to your children. If you're going to keep it, if you're going to safeguard it, you do it for the day of your burial and you allow that thing to go down in Jesus' name. It kept for burial. Why so, Brother McGee? I'll tell you why so. This whole burial aspect or placing something in with something that's going to be buried for burial, I think kind of relates a little bit with Abraham in the Old Testament. We look in the Old Testament of Abraham. He lost his wife, Sarah. He lost her. She died. He, she died while Abraham and they were sojourners and that as they were strangers in a land that they were traveling among. I can't keep anything on this shelf today. I'll just fix that. She died while they were in a strange land. He suffered the loss of his wife while they were in a strange land. And in that moment, Abraham starts to plead. He pleads for a burying place that he might bury Sarah, his dead. This is what the Bible says, out of his sight. He loved Sarah. The Bible portrays that he mourned and he wept over Sarah. But you know what Abraham knew? That he knew too well? He knew that it would have been difficult to go on. Had that precious thing still been visible to his sight. He knew, Brother Terry, he would have lingered. Had he not put that thing that his life was bound up to. Out of his sight. Because she meant so much to him. And he spent so many days with her. So many moments was bound up in her life. That she had to be put out of, her, out of his sight. So he could go on. I don't know how long she had it. On the shelf. And again. If she invested her own means in order to secure it. Her life was in that I don't know what some of you may have that your life is bound up in that you've been doing for so long or you've catered to for so long that you've been involved in so long that it literally is a part of you but sometimes you gotta put it in the box so it gets out of your sight Why? Because there's some things that we have on the shelf need to be put in the box for burial because we linger and can't go on as long as it's still visible. And you... Someone say amen. And so Jesus says that against this day, she's kept it. She's, she's kept this for my burial. Did not both Romans and Colossians, Paul speaking in both, saying that we're buried with him in baptism. We're buried with him in baptism. But if we are buried with him in baptism, that we'll be raised with him in newness of life. But what I told you earlier today, what you give concerning to the burial box is not what you receive from the burial box. You don't get back like fashion of what you gave. Amen. Somehow Mary knew what was put in the ground 
was not going to be the same body that came from the ground. That the ointment that she placed on the feet would not be ointment, amen, that would come forth from the box. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, when he gives a long dissertation on the resurrection and the power of the resurrection and the necessity of the resurrection, he talks about this whole concept. And he says, whatever you sow or plant or put in the ground in corruption, it will raise incorruptible. Whatever you sow in the ground in honor, it's going to be raised in glory whatever you sow in the ground in weakness it's going to be raised in power whatever you sow in the ground in natural it's going to be raised in spiritual what are you saying Paul what you put in the box is not what you're going to get out of the box it's going to be better I wish somebody clapped their hands right now and feels though they're excited that they've been buried with Christ yes Since the day of my bearing, she's kept this ointment. And when she anoints his feet, the house where he was was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. No doubt a large benefit to the Lord. But everyone in the house received benefits. That precipitated from her act upon the Lord. Let's just be real practical here for a moment. Nobody's ever smelled the fragrance that she had because it had never been opened. There's never been a fragrance, although it was supposed to be fragrant. There was never a fragrance that came from it. Because it's bound up in the alabaster box. They were sealed, wax sealed to not allow their fragrance to escape or the power, the potency, if you will, of the perfume to escape. The Bible says she broke it, meaning she broke the seal that was upon that flask. Listen to me. And the time, the one time then that she dispensed it upon the Lord to be buried with the Lord. Not to ever be retrieved again. It now has a fragrance. Woo! That fills the room. That she and others and Jesus can savor. Nobody ever smelled it prior to that day. But everybody's rejoicing with the fragrance of it. The day she dispenses it on the body for burial. I believe that's how the writer of Luke 15 when he talks about the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin and the parable of the lost son at the end of all of those it's whenever the lost was found and had repented and there was a journey if you will towards salvation the Bible says not only does the shepherd rejoice not only does the woman that lost the coin rejoice not only does the father that receives the prodigal back rejoice but all heaven rejoices why? whenever that thing is placed to be buried honey there's a fragrance that all can rejoice over and be proud hallelujah (laughs) it's quite different I'm hastening to close early it's quite different she can bring that and put it in the casket. Not even at that point yet, but place it on the body of Jesus. Therefore, going to be buried with Jesus six days removed. Whatever the summation of life was. I want us to understand this. It's important. I know I've, I've hit it and I hit it again, but it's important to understand this. What she placed upon the Lord just wasn't all the good. It was the emblem of her life, and that meant any mistake and bad as well. Was it just flowering him with all of the perks and the, you know, the times that she answered right, said right, had the right attitude and done right? No, she placed upon him in that all the emblem of those times that she had done wrong. She had made a mistake. She had backtalked. She had lied. She had cheated. She had, that was placed upon him just as well and allowed. To be buried with the sinless one. 
allowed to be buried with the one that knew no sin. See, this is quite a different scenario, folks, from the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, the book of Chronicles, I read of someone by the name of Uzziah. The Bible speaks of Uzziah serving as a king, but there was one day, due to impatience and some other things, he enters into the temple. Rather than serving as king, he thinks he's going to take the place of priest and he's going to offer some incense. The Bible says in the moment that he does that, Brother Fred, that leprosy shows up on his head. And it fills then the entirety of his body. He turns into a leper. Which in the Old Testament, leper is just symbolical of sin, period. Sin. And the Bible says that whenever he was buried, he was buried in the peace. You can read it in Scripture. The meaning is that he's buried in a piece of land where the kings are buried. But he has his own, per se, burial plot because he's a leper. And lepers in their life, they were unclean, unclean, and had to holler it and had their separation from people in their life. And so likewise, they did their death. But Mary comes in the New Testament scripture. She's been whatever she's been up until the time she's met the Lord. And when she places that oil on him, let me say it like this. She places all the bad on him as well. And she says, I'm going to allow that to be buried with him. And in a different sense, she's buried with the king, not as separated from the king, but with the king. Maybe I should entitle this, Bury Me With the King. I know, it's simple. We're talking about baptism today. We're talking about being buried with Christ. Stand with me. We're talking about just being buried with Christ. fact of the matter is there may be somebody hearing me today says there's some things on the shelf there's some things that have been guarded I need a place upon the Lord I need a place upon the Lord <laughs> Mary Mary I don't know she must have caught something Bishop the others didn't call it because she's always found there at his feet. She's hearing his teachings. There's something that she must have caught. Seeing these things, what he's been talking about, more so than what he had been talking about before, this death, this burial, this resurrection. There's something that she must have taught, caught, that she understood. If I can get an emblem of my life to be with him when he's buried. See, this is before this is this is before Pentecost, this is before the outpouring of the Spirit of the Day of Pentecost. This is before Peter's message about repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name. This is both before the epistles that talk about being buried with him in baptism. Something though is already starting to come together in Mary's mind. If I can just place an emblem of the representation of my life with him, so that when he's buried, I'm buried. It all become perfectly clear later baptism and water in Jesus name for her but there is just a desire there's just a desire and a Mary living on the front side of Calvary if I can just get my life buried with his life oh God there's a lot of things that could just there's a lot of things that could just somehow be healed it's a lot of things there's just a new life that can be found on the opposite side of this grave in our own personal lives if we close our eyes if we could just have that that type of yearning of Mary that says if I could I could just get my life buried with his life. <laughs> if my life, if that oil on his feet could just feel the pressure of the mentality of Gethsemane where the olives are pressed, if I could have that for my life. If while they're speaking words against him in the judgment hall, if I could just already receive some judgment in this life by being buried with his life. <laughs> if I could feel the weight of the cross and the piercing of the nail. Let it not just go through his flesh, but let it go through the emblem and the representation of my life as well. Because if I die and are buried with him, I'll be able to live with him. Kept. Kept for burial. Kept for burial. Keep your heads bowed tonight or this morning.
If you got a piece of paper today and a pen, go on and take it out. Just give me a moment. If I had a lot of time during this weekend, I could have probably made me a casket. But this is as good as it's going to get. You might say whatever you will. You say you're just an idiot. But listen to me. I feel in the Holy Ghost. Listen, people need to take out some paper this morning and write on there whatever it may be that you want to be hid with Christ, buried with Christ. It could be something you've never told anybody. It can be something you're struggling with personally. It can be something that seems like you never get victory over no matter how much you pray about it, no matter how you go. It just seems like it's just constantly there, gnawing at you, gnawing at you. And let me tell you what we're going to do. When the service is over, we're just going to tie this thing up and it's going in the trash can. And so whenever you come up here and you place that there, you know what you're saying? I relinquish it. I, I, I can't. You, we're not. We're, not, we're going to, have to put a padlock on the trash can this week. Nobody else is going to be able to dig in the trash, get it out. No, no, no. It's over. It's said and done. Somebody needs to keep something for barrel this morning. They need to place it. They just need to put it away. They needed to put it away. It may. It may have even been something you've deemed precious in your life, but it's not precious in God's eyes. Let it be buried with Him. Let it be buried with Him. Let it be buried with him. Let's begin to talk to the Lord in this place. Father, I come to you right now. God, I come to you right now. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. I know you're helping us today. God, you know the people that said under the sound of my voice. You know, Lord, your word. God, your word. God, finding us apart. Lord, finding a part, God, in each of our lives. God, there could be some things that we have safeguarded. There could be some things that we are kept. Lord, if anything, let it be spoken today as Christ spoke it over Mary in that day. She's kept that for burying. She's kept that for my burial. Hallelujah. God, let there be people that will be honest with themselves, honest with their walk in God, search their heart and say, God, what are some of those precious things? What, what are those precious things, God, that I can, Lord, put in there today that's an emblem of my life, an emblem of the summation of who I am, that I can place in there and not just say, you know what? I've kept this for burial. I've kept this to be buried with him, with him, with him, with him, with him. I want my life hid in Christ in God. I want my life hid with Christ in God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to begin, amen, to sing right now. Amen, it doesn't matter who you are. Amen, put the good in the bad. Some of y'all, you say, well, I don't, it's not mistakes, Brother McGee. But some of you, you know, you just need to put your life in there. You got to, amen, put, put your business, put your home, put, just put something that's an emblem of your life. And I'm asking, I'm going to participate, 100% participation this morning. You hearing me? 100% participation is what I'm expecting. If you can, you got paper, right? Whatever it is, something that's emblem. Is symbolical of your life and just place it in there to be buried, amen, with him. Sister Johnson has paper right up here. No excuse, pencils for every last one of us. Amen, write something out, write something down. This, this is symbolical of my life. This is who I've been, this is who I was. These are my proud moments, not so proud moments. This morning I'm placing them right there. They're gonna be buried, they're gonna be buried with him, buried with the Lord. Come on, church family. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.